0: This is the Red Ticket Blues podcast. I am Brian Buckley. This is hitting the internet on January 16th, 2018. How are you and yours? Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that's great. How's your weekend? Oh, that's that's great. Uh, remember, you can listen to the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube. And if you're new, well, that, that's, that's where you can find them. And follow me on Twitter at Brian Buck, 13 and at Red Ticket Blues. So, Special guest this week, Mr. Chris Carlin at WFAN. Host, uh, one of the hosts of the new, uh, show in the Francesa spot on WFAN. CMB, Carlin, Maggie, and Bart. Uh, with a special guest host. Uh, I know him as Jared, but you know him as WFAN Trade. So it was good to have, uh, both on there. Uh, the podcast went a little long. So, uh, enough of me just babbling on here about all sorts of bullshit. So, uh, let's write Let's get right to the podcast. He is the host of the Afternoon Drive, CMB, former host on WFAN, WIP, SNY, lots of no- letters everywhere, Rutgers, serious. Chris Garland, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, guys. Good to be with you.
0: Yes, and everyone here, I am also joined with a f- friend of the podcast, uh, Mr. At WFAN Trades, Jared. Jared, say hello. Say something funny. <laughs> no pressure.
2: Uh, yeah, no I'm... pressure there at all. <laughs> yes. I, I'm, I'm honored to be uh that I forced myself onto the podcast so thank you thank you for having me and Chris we're looking forward to it man this will be fun absolutely
1: absolutely all
0: right so there was a, let's start here there was an event last week at uh the New England Patriots uh, practice facility James Harrison joined the team he gave some lotion to a beat writer there and told him to administer lotion to his back so the big question everyone's asking is have you ever rubbed lotion on an athlete's back and if not why
1: uh, I haven't been asked, and oh, the answer that's is no. Yeah, so I, I think it would be a little intrusive to do that without being asked. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let me ask you: Is that like normal media behavior? Like, with you you you've worn a lot of different hats in, in media. Would that be just laughed upon if that that something like that happened in front of you?
1: Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. I would have been. I, I've been in many the locker room, and I I would say. I would be stunned if that were to happen. And uh, I would say in most cases, and I do say most cases, uh, probably would be turned down. But, you know, listen, you never know. Certain certain athletes are, uh, you know, they give out information. So, Uh, When they do, I'm sure guys are happy to reciprocate
0: and help them out. Literally, like (laughs) scratch your back, rub lotion on my back sort of thing, and then it'll be exactly. All
3: right. Exactly.
0: Uh, Like I mentioned, I mean, you've had a lot of different hats in in media, and and I'll let Jared jump into this. I mean, there's a lot of you're taking over a spot from Francesa, this new uh, Mongo Nation, these younger people getting into the show jared and i are in our mid-30s we know you from 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 mike and the mad dog from Imus, and we we were before the the mongo nation uh craze if if that's pathetic or not but jared can tell you a little bit more about that
2: yeah that's pathetic um the way especially the way you describe it no i mean you know it, listen there was uh we we call it like the pre-twitter days and then the post was twitter uh apocalypse if you will uh, that kind of blew up. But yeah, you know, through the years, there's been that Francesca cult following uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, taken on a life of its own from Internet message boards to, you know, Twitter and the whole Mongo Nation uh, thing. So that was kind of where, you know, Brian and I and a bunch of a bunch of crazy people that, you know, got reflected at Francesicon to be quite honest, um, how many people were involved with that. So that's kind of where we go back and, and know you from years and years of doing that, and as well as uh, your Rutgers days, too. I mean, that stands out to me. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, listen, I mean, you know, um, working with, with Mike and Chris, I mean, I produced the show for seven years, I was on the show for seven years, produced it for six and a half, and, you know, working for them was, I mean, it was a ridiculously... Uh, it was just a ridiculous situation. and I mean the the fact that I used to be driving around delivering uh, you know, for a drugstore in, in college and and after college, frankly, um, uh, you know up until I got a part time job at f a n and an internship, it's just the mere fact that uh, a couple of years later I was producing that show was it just you know beyond ridiculous that I even got that opportunity and never thought that something like this was possible but at the same time i mean you know i, I listen i'll be the first to tell you how much i learned and how much i owe to those two guys and uh, everything that uh, that they meant for my career certainly
0: let's bring in the one other guy you work with there you you worked at wfan with two difficult egomaniacs and francesa and imus who was more difficult yeah. to work with
1: uh imus definitely now, you'll you'll notice I am bald now. Uh, I was not bald when I took the job producing the show. Uh, and that is not a coincidence by any stretch. Um, because it was... Listen, producing for those guys was stressful because it was... You know, effort in jobs... It, it taught me effort was never enough. Results is what it was about. And... Um, so that was... That was stressful. those guys could be difficult at times, uh but certainly working for Imus was much more uh difficult and he was he was more difficult and stressful but uh, you know part of it was because I was a bad fit for the- sh- show, and that it was um you know I've always just said and kind of lived by this notion that I'm at my best when you let me be an idiot and um. and i i I truly mean that like you know when i guess we all uh, agree so and do my thing yes yes, (laughs) exactly um i i kind of look at it like that and uh, you know with imus it was kind of produced you know you you were expected to be funny all the time and um but like in a prepared kind of way and I'm not a comedy writer by any stretch. Francesa, oh,
0: I'm guy that does sports. Francesa seems like he would be somewhat rational, if not angry. Ima seems completely, I don't even think part of that, I mean, there probably was some shtick, but some of it seemed like it was genuine, 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 irrational behavior from him to embarrass people.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, listen, I think anybody that has reached that level of success and I will include both of them when I say this, has to be somewhat insane. And I, I'm was sort of thoroughly irrational at times. Absolutely. Um, but that's, to, you know, I'm not excusing it. It's just that there's usually something wrong with really, really successful people. Um, right. And I, I think that that's the case all around. I, I think that's absolutely true.
0: You you touched so, on okay. it.
1: Listen, Go ahead. I mean, there's there's no uh, – when the first thing – when people Google your name and the first thing that comes up are YouTube videos of you being fired and being embarrassed, it's it's not fun. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, it it was what it was. It was good for my career, and I wasn't there the day he got fired and, or the day he said what he said, and as a result, I had the greatest time. I'm flu in the history of man. So I'm good with all that.
0: You became, you you, you just touched on this. You became a personality of sorts on Imus and Mike and the Mad Dog. I mean, was that something you ever wanted or was that just sort of thrust upon you as the storylines of the show go?
1: No, I wanted to be on the air. I always wanted to be on the air, but I always wanted to do games. Right. You know, that was kind of my first and foremost love. I didn't really think about doing talk shows or anything like this at all. And uh, you, you do become part of the show with Mike and Chris, and primarily you're a target, and that's all good. Um, it's part of the gig. It was, it was fun. Um, you know, with IMS, there were, there weren't many times. I'm not going to lie to you guys. There was not many times it was fun. You're getting up at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning every day, and you're expected to go in there and, um, you know, just deliver day in and day out, and you get hammered um i it just wasn't a good fit because it wasn't uh my strength i I did my best with it but it wasn't a good fit it wasn't fun for me by any stretch uh but it was a means to an end and we all go through those kind of periods in our careers
0: and, I mean, you you left WFAN and, uh, obviously, Francesa, a big part of WFAN here. When you came back to see him or speak to him, I mean, did the relationship change? I mean, obviously, that the whole incident with Calhoun where Mike was just a completely dismissing jackass to you. And I love Francesa, but it was completely unfair. Um w- What's the conversations you have with him when you're no longer an employee? I mean, did it change? Was it like a nurturing thing before? Now it's like your competition get out of my face?
1: No, I would never call it nurturing. I would call it, um, you know, there was tough love involved, but it did make me better. There's no question. Um, as far as our relationship, I, I mean, here's the full story, guys. Okay, here's what happened. You know, that whole thing on the air with with Yukon uh, and Calhoun. Um, to be fair, I probably shouldn't have been the person saying that on the air. That I had been hearing and traveling around the big East doing Rutgers basketball quite a bit that year that the gym was really thinking about packing it in. And that a lot of the guys around him thought that this was it. Now I didn't really factor in the notion that I'm working for Rutgers and recruiting is a constant battle. And maybe that's not my place to be saying that I didn't say he was packing it in or whatever, but really here's what happened. Um, Mike and I had that incident on the air, Um, he called me off the air, I was at SNY at the time, and we had a shouting match on the phone uh, after the fact, this was five minutes later, Um, nothing that we haven't had a hundred times, and I mean that, you know, and, and that was the great thing with working for those guys, is that you could get in an argument and it could be nasty, but it was over in five minutes and it was over. Um, what happened was the following week, now that was on a Thursday, right? Um, and I figured a couple of days I was going to spring training for us and why this will get sorted out and we'll, we'll talk next week when we cool off. Um, you know, Mike was a jackass on the air to me. Absolutely true. But that's, you know, that's fine. Uh, the next week, Bob Raceman wrote in the paper that he had heard while the on-air fight was what it was, the off-air fight was even worse. In other words, uh, you know, people had heard me at SNY, and I was in the middle of the newsroom at the time with about 30 people, okay? And I don't mean to drag this out, but it's just really the context of where our relationship changed. Yeah, it's really the context of where our relationship changed. Um, So, and Bob Raisman's there, at sny two to three times a week to appear on daily news live so somebody told him that i had this screaming match with mike off the air mike assumed that i told bob raceman that and thought that i did it to make him look bad and he called me up and said our relationship is done you i can't believe you did this and i said i didn't do it you know and i've worked for you for how long you know, I would never do that to you. We've, we we had that relationship. It was volatile at times, but it was also, um, one that I knew if I ever needed anything, I could go to him. I would never do that. I,
0: I got to interrupt and, you, know, you for a lo- second. I, I, because yeah. I I'll tell you, I, I, again, I said it, I love Mike. Mike has also went on the air. A hundred times to say, I have never spoken to to to, to Bob Raceman about anything. He doesn't know anything, and he, so in this sense, now all of a sudden, Bob Raceman has some sort of street cred or something. Mike dismisses well, his No existence. Mike, no, no, no. At all no, no. Times. To
1: be clear, to, to be clear, Mike thought that it was done to make him look bad. You know, and that was not. And he didn't speak to Bob Raceman. I didn't either at the time. I didn't. Somebody else in that building told him. Um, And Mike blamed me. So, you know, we had this argument that was I think was the following Tuesday. And we didn't talk for a while. And I saw him, uh, that was in March, spring training. I saw him late that summer at Sweeney Murdy's wedding. um, And we chatted for a second and I said, can we talk about this again? You know, it's just an exchanging of pleasantries. And he still didn't want to hear it. So Mike has been convinced that I, you know, Mike did it because he thought that I dimed him out, which I wouldn't do. So, unfortunately, that's where it stemmed from. We'd, we'd see each other once in a while after that. And uh, around the 30 for 30, I, uh, you know, I went to the debut this year. And I didn't get a chance to talk to him. I saw Chris quite a bit. Um, but I did text him and i said you know it was i hope that was exactly what you guys wanted it to be you know because i I, there's never going to be any kind of illusion as to what that show was and it was just you'll never be able to duplicate it and he wrote back you know it was crazy it was nuts you know all that kind of thing so that that's basically where it stems from um I sent him a note uh, a few weeks back. He left me a note at the station uh, wishing me good luck, and I sent my note to him uh, that was basically expressing my uh, thanks for his role in my career, because you can never deny that. But, you know, that's where it all stemmed from. It's, it's, uh, and, I'm again, didn't mean to drag on, but Oh, that, no, this there's, is, there's this been is a lot of
3: talk. Well, yeah,
1: there's, Chris, been, a lot, Chris, there, no there's been a lot said about it, cool and that that's right. where it is.
2: Uh it's it's that's an amazing story to hear. And as you're describing that at the end, all I think about is when one president leaves and he leaves like a note on the Oval Office desk for the next guy coming in. <laughs> that's what I picture. I it probably wasn't as grand as that, but it's like I I, I think that was
1: probably in Mike's mind a little bit, yes. He he left one for me, he left one for Bart and he left one for Maggie. <laughs>
2: Well, that's that's very nice, and I'm I'm actually Mike always alluded to on the air that he gets letters. It sounds like he actually got a letter from you, which is like amazing. Uh, I
1: mean, I, I, you- I would I would I would term it, you know, about the length of a thank you note. You know, it was, right. hey, right. you know, listen, no matter what our differences are, um, and the fact that our relationship mm-hmm. isn't what it is, and that's disappointing to me. I'm going to acknowledge this, and yeah. he, you know, just wrote back and said, hey good luck with the show, you know, well, that's, so that's, that's where we are. And, and it's, it's fine. You know, it, it, we all kind of, uh, just pick our spots and what we want it to be, but the, it, it, that's where it all stemmed from. That's where it all stemmed from.
0: Very, very interesting. Um, let's, let's get into a little, uh, sporto stuff here. Um, you're back full time. You're getting into football here with WFAN uh, now the rumors say, Pat Shermer is a Giants head coach. Your thoughts on that?
1: You know, at first I wasn't terribly excited by it. And tonight I was actually doing some research on it and I'm getting a little bit more encouraged by the move. I always felt like they needed to go with an offensive coach when you have the second overall pick in the draft and everybody's looking to see if you're, you know, everybody thinks you'd be crazy not to take a quarterback. right? Right. Um, I think that uh, when you look at Shermer's history, he has nourished along some good quarterbacks and gotten, and even some guys who weren't that good but had gotten the most out of them. Um, McNabb, uh, Bradford in his rookie year was offensive rookie of the year with with Shermer working with him. He got something out of Colt McCoy in Cleveland. Think about this, guys. His two years as head coach in Cleveland, he had Colt McCoy and Brandon Whedon. I mean, geez, beautiful, you know, you beautiful. can't win with that. Um, Foles, Keenum this year. You know, Foles when he was 27 and 2 uh, a few years ago. So, point being, I'm, I'm certainly more encouraged by it um, after having, uh, you know, done a little bit of research on it. But who knows? You know, it's one of those things of, of you know, w- we'll see how this is going to play out. And uh, I also am curious what this means for Eli. I have my own theories, but. That I think I'll save for the show tomorrow. <laughs>
2: oh, thanks a lot. Chris, can I ask you a question? And uh, as a Giants fan, I'm almost afraid to find out what your answer to this is. But, I mean, the the odds-on you know, assumption was obviously Patricia uh, and McDaniels, and it looks like right that's, neither one of them are going to be. Does it say anything about the Giants organization or what the Giants organization puts themselves out as,
1: whereas maybe that's not, not 100% true anymore? Uh, I, no, I don't think sure that's, of, you know. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's the case. I think guys look at the different situations around the league. Uh, when evaluate, you know, when you're a candidate that is up for multiple jobs, where can I have the easiest chance to go and win in the short term because these younger coaches now um they only get two or 3 years before they can prove they're worthy of that next big contract, right? Um, so if that's the case, I think when you look at the Giants' situation, you've got a lot of money tied up in the defense. You've got the quarterback situation, which is a mess. You have an offensive line that needs to be fixed. You don't have any running game to speak of. And uh, you don't know outside of and, – and you've got Odell, which, who is a tremendous talent, but this contract thing is going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing. So no. at some point, no. I, I just think in the short term, I think these these guys uh, tend to look at these things in the NFL now. When you're a young coach getting an opportunity, where can yeah. I win? Not necessarily next year, but in the short term, next two to three years, so that it will prove I am worthy of the of the longer contract and not back as a coordinator in two or three years. Yeah, uh, I, I mean it's, it's just I guess the, the way I I shouldn't have uh, the way to put it is the Giants just aren't at that spot right now. They're still a great job. Yeah,
2: and were you were you surprised in term? I mean, it's listen. He's gone now, McAdoo, But were you surprised at how poor it just turned out to be? And then the other half of that question is that on his way out the door, he took Reese with him. was there any other choice? I mean, in my opinion, no. I mean, they had they both had to go. But were you surprised? No,
1: they absolutely had to go. And I mean, let's be frank about it. I think when you look at the history of Jerry Reese over the last several years, it was time. I mean, you know, there were just some massive mistakes that were made. Um, Mm -hmm. Think about this, guys. Somebody pointed this out to me the other day, and it just bears repeating. Eric Flowers was drafted higher than Odell Beckham. (laughs) Think about that for a second. Um, And uh, uh, so uh, Jerry had to go, absolutely. Um, You know, surprised, it's hard for me to say because I spent the first half of this year down in Philadelphia, so it's hard for me to evaluate the entire year with McAdoo, but I would say that, um, am I surprised that he is gone? He doesn't strike me as a Giants kind of guy, if that kind of makes Mm -hmm. sense. So I'm not terribly surprised.
0: I got to ask this. You you're, you're you were talking about, uh, you know, possibly drafting a quarterback. With Blake uh, Bortles, uh, I guess we'll call it improvement. Some people want to make it seem as if he's all of a sudden this great new quarterback. But his improvement, does. I mean, what do you, what does that hold in future for uh, Mr. Eli Manning at this point? Because it, it seemed to be predestined that he was going to be the quarterback for the Jaguars next year.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't think it means he's not going to be. Um, I don't. Put it this way: I don't think that Blake Bortles' his fifth year option is for nineteen million, and they could cut. They picked it up, but they can cut him at any time without any responsibility, without with limited responsibility. And I don't think that he has proven himself to be worth nineteen million to the Jaguars yet.
0: What if he beats uh, the Patriots? So, I,
1: if he beats the Patriots and he plays well, it's going to be hard to argue to not keep him. It's going to be awfully hard to argue. Um, you know what I kind of uh, liken it to? Think about um, the Ravens of 2000. You know, they go to the Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer, right? They win the Super Bowl, and the next year they, they went out and signed Elvis Gerback because <laughs> Trent Dilfer wasn't good enough. Now, <laughs> Elvis Gerback turned out to be a nightmare for them, but it, it's kind of a similar situation.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, upgrading for uh, upgrading with Elvis Gerbach. Oh, boy. What a position to be in.
1: Yeah. Well, they thought he was at the time, but, right. you know, that obviously didn't work.
0: Uh, real real quick here, moving to baseball, because, um, uh, I mean, kind of in dead man's land here. Bo- both of uh, the basketball teams stink, uh, you know, reviewing the football season. And, you know, baseball is upon us. Do Mets fans have anything to be excited about? I mean, other than possibly game 162. And uh, <laughs> do the Yankees take a step back this year?
1: Uh, I don't think the Yankees take a step back unless they fight some inju- Unless they have injury problems. You know...
0: So you're saying right now that you predict the Yankees to be in the World Series? Is that what you're saying right now, right now Stone Cold Lock? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well,
1: first of all, I, I Stone Cold Locked the Titans to win the other night, and the coach got fired. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess if you love the much. Yankees... I, yeah, so I, I don't know what what exactly you want me to say about that. Uh, I don't know that I would say I expect them to be in the World Series, but I expect them at least to be in the ALCS. Okay. I, I will put it that way. Um, unless there's injury problems, uh, you know, with the Mets, I don't know, man. You know, if if Cindergard and um, and Degrom are healthy and doing what they're capable of doing, then You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good things that can happen. You know, with Matt Harvey, man, it disappoints me to see this become what it has been. Um, Because Matt, I I really feel like in 2013, you know, he starts the All Star Game. There's incredible uh, energy around him. Uh, 2015 uh, talks, you know, just was great in in the in the postseason and the World Series and Game 5 talks his way back in. And, uh, you know, to me, that was on Terry. Terry never should have let him back in the game. But I also felt like at the time the Mets should trade him away. Uh, I thought that at that point we had seen peak Matt Harvey, and it was it, it was time to move on from it before it got worse. So there's one little thing that I might have been right about. But um, I I liked Matt a lot, but I just don't get the impression that Matt is – um terribly well liked and I think he's just got a you know he's got a lot in, in the locker room and I think he's got a lot going on there that uh he needs to address you know he you're, he, you're he always taking, wanted to be great you're not but taking I, into consideration issues there.
0: Adrian Gonzalez I mean come on Adrian Gonzalez on the team I mean come on
1: Yeah I I, I you know <laughs> Yeah yeah I know. I, I, I mean, here's the thing about Adrian Gonzalez. He's a crybaby. It, it's uh, well, he's he, he, and I don't think Adrian Gonzalez is going to be around very, very, long if he's problematic and if he can't produce at all. Right. I think he's basically there right now to, to basically to get Dominic Smith's Keister in line. You know, get him in shape and all that stuff. Hey, this is not guaranteed for you, kid. You better get this going.
0: Yeah, I, I make and fun I, of the deal with it. It's really not. I haven't seen the actual numbers on it, but uh, it's, you know, low risk. It's a half a million bucks. It's it's
1: a veteran minimum because the Braves are paying him his entire money. And he came here because he thought he saw a chance to play. And they brought him in because there is a little bit of a chance to play, but I think they mainly brought him in to scare uh, Dominic Smith into, you know, taking it a little bit more seriously. Whenever you see somebody – teams talk about guys not being in shape i mean you know they're going to do whatever they have to do to motivate them especially when they're a first round pick
0: it's appealing to gonzalez too because i I think the mets play less sunday night games too and i know that's a real bugaboo for him so he's uh so (laughs) hopefully that'll work out for him uh so let's 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 jump into the show here um when mike sort of uh announced his abdication uh did you expect a call from uh wfan and cbs sports in regards to this or intercom now, no. I guess. So. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I didn't. And the reason is, is that uh, a year ago, when I took the job in Philadelphia, uh, Mark Chernoff and I had lunch uh, right before I, I left. And, you know, it was WIP is also a CBS station at the time. And he just said, I just want you to know that in a year, we're not bringing you back here. And I said, no, I understand that. That's why I'm going. And I would have been perfectly happy um, staying there, I was having a lot of fun, really enjoying the town, getting into it. Um, they were getting used to me. But um, in October or somewhere along the line and, uh that changed and I got a call in late October. We my wife and I did not we moved uh out in western uh southwestern Jersey um, near uh you know south of Princeton. We had been further north um, you know, in, in August and we had a nightmare of a move. So I can guarantee you there was, there was no subliminal plan there because if there had, uh, somebody owes me a few bucks and hours of aggravation, uh, with what we went through. But, um, no, listen, I I didn't expect it at all. I really didn't. I, I, when it came, um, I was blown away and thrilled. And, um, but uh, because it honestly would be the only place that I would have left for uh, because I was really thoroughly enjoying it in Philadelphia. And, boy, they're having a hell of a year.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All around it, the uh, basketball team is getting better, too. They're becoming respectable over 500. Um, I was talking to Jared about the show, about this. And, uh, Jared, you you were wondering, like, how was the actual presentation to Carlin, right?
2: Right. Like, uh, yeah. I don't think there was a demo tape that you had to
0: send in, Chris. I mean, no. I assume. No. Uh, yeah.
2: I mean, what's what's the conversation of, hey, are you interested to jump in to take Mike Frances's time slot? Like, I mean, I, we're just curious as to how those conversations sure. went.
1: Uh, the conversation, the first call was Mark calling me and saying, uh, I want to get you back in the mix here. And what that means is I, I, I'm really strongly considering putting you in afternoons with um a couple of other people is okay. what he said at the time, mm-hmm. um, and then you know I met with Bart, and I know it was long rumored, and and Kim Jones was very much in the mix, but Kim decided it wasn't for her, um, and uh, because she loves her reporting job, and that's completely understandable, and you know Maggie was uh, was in the mix uh, all along as well, and but she didn't even know she was, and uh, so that's how it kind of came together, and and. Maggie and I um, went out and had dinner, and I explained all about it to to her, and what I thought. And um, I, I had known Maggie reasonably well. I didn't know Bart at all, uh, other than to say, to, other than to tell him the first time we met. I said, you know, I used to kill you when you when I was on S N Y and he looked at me and said, Oh, I know, I know, I'm fully aware of <laughs> her and I said, I do think at one point I might have said, can't wait, more like can't tackle and he said, Yeah, no, I, I know you said that. Yeah. <laughs> so he was aware of everything. But Maggie and I had dinner and and um she was having a really, really good career, really on on a path of doing some big things. She is very sharp Uh, so that's kind of how that all came together. And then it was, uh, we didn't do any, um, you know, fake shows or anything like that. Um, we, the first time the three of us were on the air together was, or, or really, um, spent much time together was, uh, in December. We, you know, we got together a couple of times and talked about things, but, um, on the air was the first time that we did anything by the microphone, uh with each other, and it was in
0: December. So when you're creating this, you, 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 producers, management, I mean, you're taking over Francesa, which is obviously an incredibly unique voice. Are you guys taking into consideration the Francesa audience in the construction of the show, or are you just saying, we're putting together a new product here, and unfortunately, you know, the vibe of the Francesa show has to be, you know, sort of a yesteryear thing? Well, he, but here's the thing.
1: A couple of things, guys, all right? Uh, number one, of course, it's inconsistent. I didn't when when they called. I didn't say yes immediately because I had a really good thing going, and because you are following Mike, and you know, it, it, do you want to be the guy to follow that guy? Now, ultimately, what it came down to was knowing Bart and Maggie a little bit and, and having a good feel for them, but more so. Knowing what Mike and Chris made this spot, which when Mike calls it the best piece of real estate in New York, he's not wrong. He's 100% right, and they made it that, and that was my deciding factor. If this phone call never comes again, will I be able to live with myself? And the answer was a strong no. A strong no. So that's number one. Number two, when you're taking over for Mike, my feeling was everybody's going to hate us for six months. We're not Mike. We know that. And you can't, you can't win that. And I know people, I know that there's a large section of people that miss him, and I understand that. Um, I think for us to try to be anything like him is insulting to his legacy, and it's not being us. And I know it's a little bit different, and it takes a lot of getting used to. Hell, it takes, getting, it takes me getting used to listening to it uh, as well, and I'm sitting there. Right. You know, so um, <laughs> right. it, it, seriously, it, it, the guy's been in one spot for thirty years. So, anyway. Oh, we know. Um, We've heard all with about. that it. aside, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, with with that all aside, I I just um I, I operated under that assumption, and I um I, I just think that's the you know, and hopefully we'll we'll find our footing, and people will. <laughs> You know, we're. I, th- I feel like we're getting better each day. Um, I think we had a really good interview last week with Brian Cashman for an hour, and I think there's a lot of things that that people are under and overestimating about us
0: not not to sound like uh you know brainless fan caller but um did did you get you sort of stole my thunder did you guys expect uh this much <laughs> criticism for the show because i mean you hear it on social media yeah. you see it in the papers i even hear it on the boston sports radio i mean did you expect this much criticism in the beginning
1: yeah of course because we're not mike you know i mean it didn't guys it didn't it didn't matter who was sitting in that chair, I, unless it was Dog, like Mike said. That's true. But even then, it would be like, you know, we, we missed the two of them together. Um, yeah. It didn't matter who was sitting there. So people are either going to like us or they're not, and ultimately um, the ratings will determine that, and we'll see what happens. Uh, all I know is uh, uh, we're going to uh, – I feel like we're going to – I feel like the show has a chance. I feel like the show has a chance, and um, because it's got smart people involved in it, so that's yeah. that's all. That's the only way I can look at it. But absolutely, I expected the criticism. I mean, and and that's the other thing that's always bothered me. Um, if you get uh, bummed out by all of that, and it's easy to um, there have been times I've shut off my notifications. Oh, a lot of you, but uh, if you get bummed out by all of it. Like, why, why are we, as hosts, not open to criticism when we criticize athletes? Of course we are. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, yeah. Why wouldn't we be? So, I get it. You know, I, I, get, I do think there is something to the notion that the view is always best from the cheap seats. But that's okay. Um, like I said, ultimately, there will be one thing that will determine our success or failure, and that's ratings.
2: Let, let me ask you a question, Chris, and, and one of the big criticisms of uh, Bart specifically uh, has been, you know, aside from football, does he know mm-hmm. sports? Does he know New York sports? Um, I don't know what's, I mean, listen, you sit next to the guy, you're not going to sit here and bash him, I would assume, but w- what are your feelings about that? And I almost uh, equated to Boomer, you know, Bo- Boomer obviously being a football guy, but has made himself into the hockey guy and talk, you know, the, the sports guy of New York. What are your feelings specifically about Bart and him being a football expert and how does he get into the rest of the sports most specifically on FAN and New York baseball?
1: So, Yeah, Bart doesn't make any pretenses about what he is he, and he, he never will. Um, you know, I, 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 number one, he knows basketball. He absolutely mm-hmm. knows basketball. Um, number two, is he the world's foremost authority on baseball? No, but he'll be the first to tell you that and Mark, I'll be honest with you. He knows a lot more than people realize if they just listen to what he's saying and, you know, don't get caught up in, in the narrative or, you know, uh, anything else like that. You listen to what he's saying, he actually knows what he's talking about, and he's working, you know, he wants you to know that he wants to be better and he wants to uh, to do this every day. Guys, get something to prove. and And that's yeah. what... Like, you know, I always looked at him as a player. I'm like, oh, that guy talks too much. Oh, God. You know, <laughs> but I kind of see it now from a different perspective because he constantly feels like coming from the tough background that he did and he came from the projects and, and a really tough neighborhood growing up mm-hmm. um, that he, and, you know, um, undrafted free agent, all that stuff. He constantly has something to prove. And, uh, and Bart appreciates the one thing that people should understand is this is not just some guy who's parachuting in and thinks he can just be an ex-athlete and talk about sports. This guy puts right. the work in every day. This guy puts the work in every day. And right. that is something that, you know, I, I find extremely encouraging and not just even encouraging. That's not the right word. Impressive is the word I would use. Yeah. I know. Listen, I get it. Uh, the last time I checked, there are a lot of talk show hosts around the country who are former athletes who are talking about sports that they didn't play.
0: Right. <laughs> I, I worry though. I right. worry when I, I, I didn't hear the show, but I worry when I hear Bart Scott saying how many innings innings are in a baseball game. When did he say that? that maybe maybe my the people on Twitter are saying that. That again, I didn't hear that for, with my own ears. So I'm yeah.
1: Not... No. I, I I think if he said that on on our show, he was either joking. I don't. Remember him okay. saying then it. He my Twitter followers are, are lying
0: to me, and uh, I'm not Yeah, no, I, I,
1: I don't know if you know. There are times that, as an information source... Twitter's not good. Twitter might not be the most reliable. All right, this call's over. Forget
0: yeah, it. Forget I... I it. You know, <laughs> that's complete <laughs> horseshit, shit, Chris. I'm not going to listen to this anymore.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, but listen, I mean, for instance, I know Jared has, has been critical of the show. That's totally cool. I get it, you know, but that's... that's, that's fine but the, uh but like bart never said that and okay. and meant it fair enough if he said it and i don't remember him saying it i'm totally honest with you i don't remember him saying it but if he did i guarantee you he was joking
0: okay okay that's very good um so, some the people have
1: answer is not the nine right
2: right
0: is yes it, it, it is nine i believe yeah, okay. i saw it on twitter gotcha. but i just want yes. to double check okay
1: and your standard game that's what i understand standard game thank
0: you for clarifying we're on the same page Um, some people have said i don't mean to phrase this like francesa but some people have said that's okay um, that uh the show went with diversity first when putting together the team and i mean to a certain extent i agree with that just because of the history of wfan um Mm -hmm. i don't want to put you in a tough position here do you think that's just an uncalled for stance or you know whatever I don't know if it I, I mean I think they went
1: for different perspectives. Okay. I don't think they've they haven't had the perspective of, you know, the the African American athlete on the station. They haven't, you know, Kim has been great um when she's been on, but every day they haven't had the female perspective. Right. And like guys it, 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 What's our initial instinct with things like uh, you know, Maggie? You know, female. Well, you know, she does she know her stuff. Maggie knows the stuff better than I do.
0: Maggie's very. And I'm not
1: joking when I Maggie. You know, Bart knows football inside and out. He knows basketball inside and out. These guys are impressive people, Um, and they're smart people. Like that. That's what I keep going back to. And this is something that I learned along the way. If you surround yourself with smart people, you're going to have a chance to be successful. And I know that sounds like a cliche type thing, but I've been around a lot of dumb people in my life <laughs> and it makes it harder to be successful when that's the case. And putting this podcast Loudmouse <laughs> is on Loudmouse loud <laughs> is on the air. It's still on the air now, but Sean and right. I had a great run because I was working with smart people there. Um mm-hmm. Philadelphia, our ratings were going up and we were about to pass Mike who who's a staple in that in that um, market, because we were around smart people. And this is the same thing here.
0: And, and I don't mean to make it seem as if, you know, I walk into a room and I see a black guy and a woman there and I blush. I'm just saying that, you know, the <laughs> the illustrious history of WFAN with women and minority uh, hosts. I mean, you could fit mm-hmm. that Hall of Fame on the back of a sugar packet. It's not really that long. So I, 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 that's kind of where I, I, I just kind of went with it like, oh, that maybe they are forcing it there. But at the same time, I, like I've said, uh, Maggie is very good. I think I definitely have to be a believer more in Bart. Um, but I think having someone like Here, here's you. Here's
1: all but, I can ask you to do. You know, honestly, here's all I can ask you to do. I'm not just saying because remember, guys, I, I got, I, I, you know, this is my career, too. And like I said, if I uh, not two, it is. Uh, <laughs> if, if I wasn't confident in in the ability of these people, I wouldn't have taken the job right. um, because you also, as much as um, I was talking about earlier, that you know, could you live with it if it came along? Well, if it came if it came along and you felt like you had a chance and you said no, then you'd really feel crummy, right? so i I when it came along and I felt like it had a chance. And it wasn't, you know. Listen, I'm sure that diversity is part of it all, but I think it's about the perspectives of those, of, you know, an African American athlete, uh, a female, um, smart perspectives of people, that are just different. You know, Bart grew up in a, I grew up in the upper middle class, man. You know, uh, Bart grew up, like I said, in a tough neighborhood. Maggie grew up in, in Binghamton, New York but at the same time was always a huge Mets fan growing up and 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 a Bills fan so massive sports fan so i you know i genuinely like being around people that i haven't heard what they think about things
0: before that that's an excellent answer that is that is it's it's three perspectives i mean and it's 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 obviously working in your mind as you say, and i mean i've I've listened to the show and i I do feel that there are elements getting better. I think there are elements that uh I definitely need to improve on and again, you know I'm a nobody here telling you, but I'm just telling you as the listener's perspective i'm not sitting here in some boardroom telling you well Mr. Carlin, I mean this is, just has to be better but i mean i I think there there's something i I don't like the videos i don't like the hashtags. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. you guys need to be more negative uh, just because I think sports radio is better when it's negative. And when is there any better time for negativity in New York sports than now? Uh, Your thoughts, Brian, shut up or maybe you have a point.
3: No, I,
1: I, I think there are some points to it, but I I think um, negative doesn't necessarily mean screaming every five seconds. True. I mean, you know, listen, uh, 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 for Pete's sake, I mean, I was destroying the jets a few weeks ago. um I was killing the giants uh, the Mets say so absolutely hammered day one because what the Mets have done is just um, sickening in a lot of ways you know uh, that they have that that they have let this become what it's become right now bothers the hell out of me because there's no reason to not be spending some more money, but they're they're obviously in a position where they can't afford to at the moment. Um, But, you know, all those kinds of things. I I think, you know, there's negativity. There's, there's critical negativity. And then there are the times when you're going to go on a rant. Right. And I haven't done that yet because frankly, I haven't felt the one big rant yet. It'll come, but I don't want to be fake about it. I don't want to walk in the door and scream and yell on day one um I don't think we're all happy go lucky uh you know i think uh but but listen if we if this show was perfect we we should just quit you know I mean it's got to get better every day I do think there i'm I'm with you, I think there are elements that um are, are getting better every day and i and and we're getting to know each other every day uh but I also think that there are areas where we need to get better and you know i I sound like an athlete. And I say this, but there there's a lot of things I need to do better. So um, that's why I love it. it's It's a challenge, and it's on the biggest stage that it can possibly be on. And I'm beyond fortunate to be in this spot. Uh,
2: Chris, one of the things that we just talked about was uh, Twitter and so- well social media, but Twitter in particular. you uh, you've always had a pr- pretty good presence, I would say. You've definitely, I think picked up the steam. Interacting with the audience. What's your perspective on Twitter? Interacting with the audience. Do you like it? Do you? Does it get you mad? You obviously sometimes you shut off your notifications. Maybe it depends what kind of mood you're in. Um, What are your thoughts on Twitter specifically and interacting with the?
1: uh, I I I, I love Twitter. I do. You know, it's funny. I find myself going into. um, uh, Yeah, I tweet more during the games now. Um, I like it a lot. I do like it a lot. I'm trying to. I never really did these "Ask Me Anything" things up until a few weeks ago, but I kind of like doing it. Um, and listen, you know me. I, must I'll be brutal. Take the some of the
0: questions. Anybody who's in the public eye and they ask questions, "Ask Me Anything." Those must be some some crude things asked, I would assume.
1: Yeah, you get some, but you don't really, not, not as much as you'd think. <laughs> I, I certainly was expecting more, uh, but that's okay. Maybe we'll set the bar a little higher this week. <laughs> Somebody listening will get it. But uh, I also think that, um, I think it's crucial now. I think Twitter's yeah. crucial. I think all of it's crucial. You know, it seems like Twitter and Instagram are the ones, in, and really, You know, Facebook, like, you don't like the videos? Okay. The Facebook Live videos, it's amazing the impact that they've had. I really learned that last year down in Philadelphia, um, you know, and and how much it can really help and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was kind of like you. I was like, all right, do we need to be – out there, giving away everything—you know—Mike always talked about that too. Like, you didn't like give, the notion of giving away your opinion on, on Twitter. He's on the
0: polar, the polar opposite side of, I and mean, he's mired <laughs> in the 1950s. You know, where there's still a milkman. So, I mean, he's not really. Well, like,
1: yeah. About- listen, I get that. I, I think the idea of tweeting during the games, uh, like I did this weekend, is just more around uh, making it feel like I got to connect with the audience. You know? Yeah. We got to we got to get to know each other. Uh, I mean, I was around before, but we all got to get to know each other and this is about the best way to do it. We're we're going to do some things where we go out to bars and tell people to come and watch some games with us and you know so we can connect with some people that way. Uh, honestly, things right now are just logistical. I told you I moved out. I'm I'm commuting basically 2 mu- 2 hours each way right now. Um, and we'll move back closer to the city soon, but things like that are you know kind of prevent that at the moment, but we'll we'll get uh, out in the community more, but i love I love the social media interaction I do I, It's positive, negative it's all there. Um, the negative stuff um, only when it come to, when it came in massive droves did I did I really turn it off? and there are times you just ask yourself like is it useful? to look at this and see people barraging you with comments about how much you suck, you know, sometimes it's not useful. (laughs) So, uh, you just, you gotta, you gotta tune it out and, and it's not useful in me with the show either. You know, if I think about that stuff, it's not going to help our show. It's going to make our show worse. So
0: mm -hmm. I want to thank you for coming on. I know you stayed a little longer than we, uh, we, we had agreed to before, but but I got uh four quick questions to, to play us out. You ready? Sure. All right. Given the name similarity, how often do people call you Craig Carton? Uh, You know, he
1: got it more than I did at the beginning. Uh, When I was on that show at the very beginning, he got it a lot more than I did. Um, I would say uh, not terribly often, although recently somebody did send an email to to somebody at... uh, cbs or intercom how can you employ this guy after he just got indicted <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it's like well it wasn't it wasn't me but you okay. give this
0: guy a drive time show when he built millions out of people you're disgusting mark turnoff
1: well, <laughs> allegedly and allegedly you know, he yes. maintains his innocence
0: of course uh <laughs> so number two fine. will society accept romantic relationship with robots in the next 25 years
1: god i hope not Get ready. Uh, I tried that. I, I tried watching that Westworld show and uh, man, it's weird. It's a weird show. It's, it's weird. weird. It is a very, weird. very weird, very yeah, weird. weird show. I, I, I worry about that. I worry a lot about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's number,
0: that's <laughs> number three, the Vikings and Saints game yesterday is one of the great yeah. sports endings. What is your pe- personal favorite sports ending?
1: Oh, wow. Uh, personal favorite sports ending. Uh, it, can it be for just one game and not necessarily a series? Oh, of course. I mean, you can it, do whatever you like. Me, We're me, very liberal
0: here.
1: Yeah, for me, it was Gibson uh, in 88 game one. Um, seeing him limp out of the dugout, the whole drama that was around that. He's fouling off 100,000 pitches, and he hits a home run off to interseckers who was unhittable at the time. Yeah, it was
0: Kirk Gibson. I'm Absolutely. surprised. I, I thought it would have been this. Well, this is up there. Oh, yes. And the uh, it, 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 win it! There is pandemonium in Piscataway! Rutgers! <laughs> no, I, I was banking on that.
1: It's up there, but okay. I think that would have been a little self-serving, no?
0: Uh, what the hell? Why not? Who cares?
1: No, uh, I, of course, that's right there. That's right there. Right. But I, I, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, walk-off scenario. That, right. was, that was certainly uh, that was a ridiculous thrill. As a broadcaster, you, you never get a moment like that, and that's right there, obviously. And last... By the way, I do have a – um, they made it like a few of those bottle openers that, they, you know, that Sterling has where they have the call right. on it. And, and so I have one of them. They only made like 50 or something like that that they gave to donors. And every time I use it, which is not often, it freaks the hell out of the dog. She goes running to the other room. Like, wants nothing to do with it.
0: I used to have one of the Sterling ones, and it would just start going off in the middle of the night until I had to throw it in the yard and jump on it. <laughs> no, that was actually John. No, that was <laughs> He was just there in his yes. bathrobe. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: If there was a chance to call the game, he was there.
0: And uh, Jared has the last question here about a favorite show near and dear to all of our hearts.
1: I, I
2: Before I get to that, I do have to say, one of the calls that they played yesterday Uh, with the Vikings game, the guy said, and it's the miracle in Minneapolis. I'm like, they stole that from Carlin. The pandemonium got away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's
1: the difference. (laughs) Here's the difference. I I truly do believe that that was not planned on their part, and I will admit, I will fully admit that I had thought in a day or two in advance, what am I going to say if they win the game, and that was it.
2: Uh, okay. So I had mine well, planned to, out a little bit. You you didn't have to tell us. Huh?
1: Yeah, I know you I just, kind of ruined yeah.
2: it. Jesus, well, <laughs> Brian will edit that out. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, <No. laughs> I'm, an edit. I'm an open Spur, book. Spur of the moment. Uh, yeah. So, so Chris, my my final question, probably the most important question. Uh, you and I have uh, talked a lot on Twitter about Seinfeld. So I'll kind of keep it general. Um, favorite episode, if you had to pick one gun to your head, uh, and single favorite character on uh, uh, Seinfeld history.
1: Uh, Frank Costanza would be my favorite character, Um, and I would go, somebody asked me this the other day, and I went with the marine biologist, that's right there, Uh, you know, uh, i I've, i a very this is like asking me to pick my kids my favorite kid um what's your favorite I don't kid? Have which, children. which one's
0: your favorite kid by the way
3: <laughs> i don't have
1: children because i've never had any interest in responsibility um <laughs> the uh I, it was Remember either out of that exactly uh i i would say marine biologist festivus a very close second but marine biologist
0: the gum for me yeah, that,
1: that the she gu- she gum- the was angry that day my friends
0: <laughs> uh chris uh again you've stayed on much longer than we thought this is awesome uh definitely uh, appreciate it you can listen to chris maggie gray and bart scott from 2 to 6:30 on wfan follow them on twitter at cmbfan follow chris on twitter at chris carlin uh and be gentle you know be be nice well, it's okay oh but don't be nice Just do listen. not be gentle love us love us or hate us Just listen to us. There you go. (laughs) Chris Carlin, thanks for coming on the Red Ticket Blues podcast. Thanks, guys. That was Mr. Chris Carlin. I thought that was an excellent podcast. I mean, I'm slightly biased, but uh, I want to thank Chris, and I want to thank Jared. I, 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 I thought it was an enjoyable listen. I had fun doing it, so... Keeping all that in mind. Remember, if you're new to the podcast, there's lots of other episodes. We've got lots of other great guests. I mean, Richard Dice, Steve Summers, the late Frank DeFord. I mean, you keep going back. Bob, Bob Ryan. I mean, it's just, uh, the guests are just flying out of my ass. It's, it's amazing. And that's on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and follow me on Twitter for hilarity, hot takes, and just uninformed BS, at BrianBuck13 and at RedTicketBlues. So enjoy the rest of your day. With all that being said,
3: I am out of here. Small, huh, time, make like you behind her through do the great fine. How much longer will you be mine? And I'ma tell ya, I don't like drama. So do I have to put my hand on your mama? Cause the butt hit her damn be with a crew but I'd rather be with you who And make you say I'm drunk. Tweet drum, succumb so when I'm done fucking It's one nation under a groove Getting down for the fuck of a bit Terrible for this mother Like we did last night, son and hit you with the pop.